When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited that it is finally 2022. I love the beginning of a new year. And after the last few years got off track, um, at least for me, I'm ready to recommit to some resolutions and changes in my life and approach it with a positive outlook. And a new year just allows us that fresh start, a time to look back at our accomplishments and struggles of the past year and resolve to be better moving forward. We may buy new planners, uh, make lists of resolutions, join groups to help us stay accountable, and even buy products to help us reach our goals. It's an exciting, and for some people, (laughs) stressful time of year. So research shows that about 74% of us make New Year's resolutions. And the top five most common resolutions are um, losing weight or exercising more, saving money, pursuing a ambition in their career, spending more time with family, and taking up a new hobby. Are any of these resolutions on your list for the year? A lot of them are on mine. (laughs) And while these resolutions apply to many people, if you're a quilter, you may have some resolutions that are a little more specific to your hobby. And the most common one we've heard from our readers is a resolution to finish their UFOs. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the term, a UFO stands for unfinished object, and it is very common among quilters. Even quilters who have only been quilting a few years probably have a few lying around. So a UFO refers to any project that you've started but have stopped making progress on. Um, It's possible maybe you ran out of fabric and you had to put the project aside while you tracked down more. Maybe you lost interest in the project after a few months and pushed it aside for something new and exciting. You may have even gotten stuck on a step of the project, like machine quilting or binding, and decided you didn't have the time or energy to continue with it. There are a multitude of reasons you may have an unfinished project, and there is no shame. But for many of us, when UFOs start piling up, it can cause some problems. First of all, UFOs take up space in our sewing rooms. You may have them in boxes and bags and sitting on shelves or in closets, and that space can start to eat into your fabric storage space and can cause visible clutter. Those unfinished projects may also cause stress or guilt. Have you ever wanted to start a new project, but then you remembered the pile of unfinished ones waiting for your attention? Or did you ever buy fabric for a project, but haven't even cut into it yet because you stopped working on the quilt. Having a long list of unfinished projects can add extra weight to your quilting to-do list 
and make you conflicted about where your precious quilting time should be spent. UFOs can also block your creativity. If you're weighed down by all of the projects waiting for your attention, you may not feel completely free to start new passion projects, to try a new technique, or even to join a fun quilt along. Of course, we know it's impossible to keep your UFOs from piling up. So many quilters are just excited to start new projects and they just don't have enough time in the day to finish everything they start and we totally understand. But if you're committed to tackling your UFOs in 2022, we have a few tips to share that will help you slowly finish your quilts and overcome some, some stumbling blocks. So not all of these tips may apply to you, so just feel free to mix and match ones that ring true to your UFO situation. Get organized. Store all of your UFOs in an easy-to-find place. Make sure that all the fabrics, sewn units, tools, and instructions for each project are on hand so that when the mood strikes, you have everything you need to dive in and start sewing. Find extra sewing time. If you're working on UFOs, as well as some other new projects, you might need to carve out a little extra time to sew. You can chip away at projects by making the most of your downtime. It's really amazing how much progress can occur when dinner is in the oven, um, maybe when you're watching a TV show, or even when you're a passenger in a car. Even those extra 10 minutes, 20 minutes of sewing time a day can really start to add up. Set goals. Write down progress goals for each project and hang them in your sewing room. Make sure your goals are clear and attainable. So for instance, a goal of finish this quilt by March doesn't really give you any action items or a way to track your progress. But goals such as make three blocks per week or trim triangle squares by Monday allowed you to kind of baby step your way to a finish. Reward yourself. Looking forward to a treat may help you make progress on a project even when you don't feel like working on it. So try rewarding a finished quilt with a prize, uh, maybe like a fat quarter from the local quilt shop, fresh flowers, um, or a dessert from a bakery. All of those would really motivate me. <laughs> you can hire it out. So if there's a step in the process that you are stuck on, consider hiring someone to do it for you. So for instance, a really common one is if you have a pile of projects waiting to be machine quilted, but you are not confident in your machine quilting skills, you don't have the time for it, or you just don't like doing it, you can pay a long arm quilter to tackle your stack. Yes, you will spend money, but it will give you peace of mind and allow you to move on from some of these projects. You can try a leader and ender approach. So when you're chain piecing units for a current project you're working on, you can sew two units from a UFO together at the beginning, that's the leader, and the end, that's the ender, of each chain. So this allows you to slowly make progress on your UFOs while you're working on something else. So it's slower progress, but it really is painless, and you'll be surprised at the end of your current project how much you've chain-pieced in leader and enders for your UFO. Block off a weekend. 
So try to schedule a few days to tackle your UFOs. You can do this as often as you want, or maybe just once or twice a year. You can indulge in snack food, you can play favorite music or movies, and just kind of revel in uninterrupted sewing time. So especially if you stopped working on a project because it was too time-consuming, or maybe you were really struggling with a part of the process that needs attention and time, um, blocking off a weekend and having that abundance of time can help you make a dent in that project. And don't be afraid to change your plan. So if you don't feel like spending more time or fabric on a project, use the parts and pieces you have completed to make something else, like maybe it's a mini quilt, a pillow, or a bag that you can give as a gift. Um, I have a UFO right now that was meant to be a throw quilt, uh, but I just decided to finish it with the blocks I have as a table runner and put the rest of the fabrics back in my stash so I can cross it off my list and move on. Similarly, you can give it away. So some quilt guilds or quilt shops collect unfinished objects for charity. Um, or maybe you have a friend that really admires a project you've been working on and would love to take it over and finish it. Either way, you'll rest easier knowing it has found a good home. And lastly, use the buddy system. So join our UFO challenge group, more on that later, um, or you can form a similar group with your friends at a local quilt shop or through your quilt guild. So many of these groups like to check in monthly on your progress on your UFOs. So there's that excitement and showing off your work to others. Now here's more about our American Patchwork and Quilting UFO Challenge. So we started this challenge back in 2015 after one of our coworkers brought the idea to our staff and we all agreed that the problem she was facing of needing accountability to finish her projects was a universal one among quilters. So we decided to start it as an online challenge with all of our readers and it just kind of grew from there. So here's the idea behind our UFO challenge. You download a special challenge chart, um, which we will link to in the show notes, and then you fill in 12 projects on that chart that you want to finish this year. So you can choose from any of your UFOs. Um, you can also add projects that have been on your long time to-do list. Um, embroidery, knitting, crochet, scrapbooking, painting, basically anything creative can count toward your list too. While many people only make one list, we've seen quite a few people do multiple lists each year. So for instance, maybe they'll make one list of 12 projects that are just waiting to be quilted, uh, one list maybe for in-progress projects, and other lists maybe for block of the months, kits they own, charity quilts. Um, so there are no rough rules. We really want to make the challenge work for you. So just kind of use these lists however is the most helpful. And I think the funniest part about these lists, um, especially now when everyone is starting to fill their lists out and, and for the challenges, so many quilters start making their lists and finding their UFOs and they thought they would never be able to fill a list of 12 and they discover they actually have like 20 to 30 UFOs hiding in their sewing room. So they are very shocked when they start doing this process. So um, a lot of them find out they have a lot more UFOs than they originally thought. And then on the first of every month, we randomly draw a number 1 through 12. 
and that number corresponds with the numbers on your list, and that's the project that you work on throughout the month. So the list has a place for you to fill in the description of where you are, are in the project, um, and then we post this number on our website, our Facebook, and our Instagram. And then at the end of the month, you can fill in your progress and post pictures for everyone to see. Um, and this challenge also has an exclusive Facebook group for the challenge that's very supportive. So you can ask questions, post pictures of your projects, um, meet other people kind of struggling through their UFOs too. And you can also hashtag your pictures on Instagram using the hashtag APQResolution. And by the end of the year, hopefully you'll have 12 finished projects or you'll at least have made a significant dent in your stack of UFOs. So over the years, our Facebook group has grown to over 15,000 members, which is really amazing. Um, we've seen their progress, their finishes. Um, so we know the challenge works and it's inspiring people to not only finish their projects, but also be proud of them, which is equally as important. So the challenge did officially start on January 1st, but it is not too late to join. So make sure that if you're interested that you visit our show notes for the link to the challenge so you can hop in right away. So I've personally done the UFO challenge for seven years. So since the beginning, um, and I can now officially say I am down to one UFO and it is the one that I told you I was turning from a throw into a table topper so I can finish it quickly. So um, participating in this challenge, it's given me the motivation to finish projects I start even so that they don't turn into UFOs and it really works. So I, I only have that one and I'm going to cross it off the list soon. So while I will not be participating in the UFO challenge this year, I definitely will be following along and cheering everyone on. So like I said, we'll link to the challenge in the show notes so that you can join in. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting about irons and sharing tips for organizing your works in progress. Welcome back. We're moving on to Sewing Toolbox, a segment where we share basics about a common quilting tool. And today I wanted to chat about irons. Now, I'm not going to give specific recommendations because I've found irons to be a pretty hot topic among quilters. And yes, I did mean for that to be a pun. <laughs> so some people's favorite irons are other people's least favorite. And you can probably find people to say both good and bad things about every brand of iron out there. But I wanted to share a few things to consider if you're in the market for a new one. So do you need adjustable heat settings? If you're a quilter, you're definitely using the cotton setting on an iron. But if you're not working with other types of fabric uh, and don't work with any specialty projects like fusible web or interfacing that might require other heat settings, you may not need as many heat options. Do you use steam or not? Some quilters love steam and others rarely use it. So some irons have multiple steam settings and can hold a water reservoir so you don't have to refill the water as often. So if you love steam, 
make sure the iron you're buying does have those steam options that you'll use and can hold enough water. But if you rarely use steam, you may be able to buy a cheaper iron that doesn't have the steam setting, uh, but you could just spray your fabric with a uh, spray bottle of starch or water when you need it. Do you do applique with fusible web or use other sticky or fusible products in your projects? So if you do, you may want to invest in an iron that has a non-stick sole plate, which is easier to clean if it gets sticky things on it. Although do be warned that these sole plates scratch more easily, so you really have to treat them carefully. But if you don't want a non-stick sole plate, you can consider using a non-stick sheet between your iron and your project when you're ironing anything fusible. Um, or some irons actually allow you to purchase a second sole plate that you can swap out when you're using it for anything sticky or messy. So you might have two that you use for different purposes. Now, if you've forgotten to turn your iron off occasionally, I am guilty of that, you can look for one that has an automatic shutoff feature. However, you still should unplug it when you're done using it for the day um, because a little bit of current does still run through the iron, but I know that my automatic shutoff feature has saved my butt a few times when I've forgotten to unplug it. Um, and another thing to consider is how you'd like your iron to stand. So some irons need to stand upright when they're not in use. Some have automatic legs that lift the sole plate off the ironing board so you can set it face down. And others have extra storage pieces or iron rests that come with it to allow you to set it or raise it off your ironing boards in different ways. So just be aware that there are options. And keep in mind the weight of the iron. This is not something I think everyone considers when they're buying, uh, but I have definitely found myself, um, my arm, my shoulder, even my wrist being pretty fatigued or even kind of sore um, if I've done a lot of ironing in a day, and it is because when I fill my iron with water, it holds a lot of water for steam, it's incredibly heavy. So you may want to consider uh, the size of the iron, you know how big it is, if it's made of a lightweight material or maybe a heavier metal, um, and how much water it will hold, because all these things can affect how easy it will be to lift and use over a longer period of time. And lastly, if you travel often to retreats, uh, if you like to do handwork or you work with really tiny pieces in your quilts or, or if you even like the idea of having an iron sitting next to your sewing machine so that you can press without getting up and down of your chair, you can consider purchasing a travel iron or a mini iron just as a convenience factor. So they're not as fancy, they don't have as many settings as your larger iron, but they really can come in handy and they get the job done when needed. So there are so many irons out there um, and buying a new one can sometimes put you out hundreds of dollars. So you definitely want to take some time to think through how you'll use it and what features you'd love. And before you add the item to your cart, Make sure you're reading some online reviews. 
um, you want to check out the warranty on the iron and you want to read up on if the manufacturer of the iron uh, maybe has exchange programs or repair programs in case something needs to be fixed or it's faulty after you've purchased it. So if you're going to spend a lot of money, make sure that there's some support and repair options or a warranty. So now let's move on to Get Organized, a segment where we share storage tips for your sewing space. And since we were chatting about unfinished objects earlier in the show, I thought it would be an appropriate time to talk about how to organize and store your works in progress and UFOs. So the first thing you want to do is find a container. That's obvious, right? <laughs> so I always like to recommend that you store all of your works in progress in its own container. So each one will have a separate bin. I think this just makes it really simple to organize multiple projects and select one when you're ready to work on it. I know a few people that like to store multiple projects all in one bin. Um, and I have heard from them that sometimes when they're digging through looking for things, things get mixed up or they get kind of distracted. So never, they don't make as much progress as they had hoped. So if you have the space and the resources to do one project per container, I recommend that. So some of my favorite options for containers, and you definitely want to pick the containers that um, work for your space and your projects, but the obvious one is a clear plastic bin. Uh, these are stackable. They come in a variety of sizes and colors, and they allow you to see what's inside, uh, and you can find them for pretty cheap at most home and craft stores. This is the option I think many quilters use, um, but just keep in mind that if the plan is to store projects more long-term um, in this plastic bin. Make sure that you're storing them in a temperature-controlled area and out of direct sunlight because plastic can cause um, moisture, mold, mildew, um, and even fading from sunlight if it's not stored properly. So if your plan is to organize all of your UFOs into plastic bins and then stick them up in your attic or in the garage, that's probably not the best storage option. Okay, another storage op option is drawers or trays. So I like to use drawers or um, trays when I'm actively working on a project um, because they allow you to keep all of your fabric, pieced units organized, and um, the trays, and especially if your drawers are removable, it's easy to carry from a storage area to a workstation. So my sewing desk has drawers, um, and I use some of them to hold everything for my in-progress projects. So that way, I can put everything away when I'm done working at it, so my space stays clean, but also it's really easy to grab everything, um, and it's all in reach of my sewing machine. Another option is a bag or a zipper pouch. So you can kind of corral all your fabrics and supplies for a project and a simple tote, you know, it could even be like a grocery tote, anything you have lying around. And this is really perfect solution if you are going to be transporting your quilts to quilt retreats um, or, you know, you like to move projects to another room in the house. Maybe you like to do handwork projects in front of the TV in your living room. Um, so this is an easy option just to corral things for easy transport. 
Um, and just keep in mind that if your project has a lot of small pieces or units, you can corral them within smaller bags inside the larger bag to keep things easier to find and more organized. And lastly, hangers inside of closets are great storage for any finished quilt tops, uh, finished maybe of rows of blocks sewed together, or even finished blocks that are larger. You can hang them from a hanger in your closet to keep wrinkles off your quilts. Um, and this just helps free up some space on your design wall. Um, so that's a great option. I started doing that this year and it has really made a difference. So when you're thinking about storing your containers of works in progress, um, make sure that uh, what you put in your container is everything you need. So you wanna make sure that you have all of your fabrics, your sewn pieces, the pattern, if it calls for specialty templates or rulers, um, and maybe any specific threads for piecing or quilting you were planning to use. And if you bought backing and binding fabrics specifically for this project, make sure to include it in the container um, instead of putting it in your stash so you don't accidentally use it for something else. And if you don't think you'll get to a project for a while, it may be helpful to add a note about what step in the pattern you were on, uh, maybe any plans you had for color placement or quilting, um, or any specific stitches you were using, including the stitch width and length. Um, trust me, there have been many projects where I thought I'd remember all of this basic information, um, and then I ended up having to put the project away for longer than I thought. And when you finally pull the project out again, uh, you just don't remember enough to jump back in quickly. Uh, and in fact, recently I uh, got halfway done quilting a quilt um, and was using a specific stitch and I did not write down the width and length I was using and I thought I would remember. And when I got back to it, I didn't. And I, I quilted a one line of stitching and noticed it was not the same so I had to pick it out and then do some testing to experiment with the length and width until I found one that matched so it really can set you back without some of these basic notes and lastly you just want to label the project so you can add a label to the container so that you can quickly find what you're looking for um, and include any information that may give you a hint of what's inside. Um, like maybe it's the name of the quilt, maybe it's the designer, maybe it's the year you started the project if you want to tackle the old ones before the new ones. Um, especially if some of these containers are going to be in storage for a few years, this basic info can help you find what you need quickly. So I know lots of quilters like to take January to organize their projects and get their spaces under control. Um, so they start off the new year with a clean space and a clear vision of what projects they have available to work on. So I hope these tips help you as you organize. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting with Claire Neff of Village Quilts. Welcome back. I'm now handing the mic over to Doris for a Love Your Local Quilt Shop. Take it away, Doris. Okay, hi, this is Doris Burnett, editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine with another installment of Love Your Local Quilt Shop, where we feature the community connections and success stories of independent quilt shops. Today, I'm talking to Claire Neff, 
one of the owners of Village Quilts in Canfield, Ohio. Welcome, Claire. It's nice to have a chance to chat with you. Thanks, Doris. It's nice meeting you. I understand that you opened your shop in 2012 along with your sister, Betty. Um, Can you tell me how the two of you came to open a quilt shop, a little about the shop itself, and where you're located? Uh, My sister and I have been quilting together, even though we didn't live in the same geographic area for years, we would plan weekends to get together. um, And so frantically for the entire weekend. And we always, anytime we went to quilt shops, we were always saying, well, if we had a shop, we would do this or we would do that. And an opportunity came open with a building my husband and I own um, in a historic building built in 1861. Um, It's kind of on the village green in the center of town. It's a really nice location. And we were able to um, confiscate that, even though he was thinking he'd rent it to a doctor or a lawyer or something. We said, no, we have a better idea. And that's when the shop opened in 2012. We actually planned our opening for St. Patrick's Day because we're both very Irish and did a soft opening on Valentine's Day that year because we love quilting. And uh, it worked really well or well. We have a lot of fabric. Um, We maintain the, the lower floor as a showroom. The upstairs is more for storing fabric and we can change out seasonally. Nice. So you already owned the building when the opening Came, yes. came up. You and your husband already owned it. How nice. Yeah, it was nice. We had bought it. I had a video production company and we'd bought it for that and we outgrew it and um, moved that company to another location and left this one um, as a house. But um, we had changed it. We had changed the zoning. We'd gone through all that. So it was perfect and ready for us. That's wonderful. I love stories like that, where it's like kismet that it happened all at the right time. And I've seen pictures of your place um, on your website. It's a beautiful, beautiful old home. I love old architecture. So it's it's very cool. It's a great conversation starter, especially when husbands come in, they want to know when the house was built and the history of it. And it's kind of a very cool history. Um, I grew up in the town, as did my husband. And so the people that owned it originally were characters, and we learned a lot about them over the years. That's great. You told me um, that you had made a point from that very beginning in 2012 to support charitable organizations and um, fundraising activities in your community. What has that community support looked like for Village Quilts? Um, We get a lot of requests for um, raffle baskets, not only for quilt shows, but there's a local gardeners club who has an event every year and they always ask for it. Apparently, a lot of gardeners are um, married to quilters. You never know. Um, we have done a lot of, um, kits for, uh, pillowcases because especially a guild I belong to makes a huge effort for a local children's hospital to supply pillowcases for any kids that stay overnight. So we've taken fabric and put together kits and donated and put them on the back porch. We had one where we made up, my daughter and I cut together 58 kits and we ended up with 120 uh, return pillowcases. So that was excellent. We've also been involved with a charity called Sleep in Heavenly Peace, which is a national 501c3 charity that builds beds for kids who don't have a bed to sleep in. So the pillowcases went to that. My guild has taken it upon themselves to make it a huge effort, and they have purchased twin size sheet sets for the mattresses to go on the beds for the kids. And we became a drop-off for that location as well because we're kind of centrally located. So that's been, um, our classroom was taken over with so many pillow sets that um, it became a bit of a challenge to hold classes. But 
it's a good cause and it's been uh, very worthwhile for us to take part in it. Oh yeah. It sounds like a great cause. And I, every time I do one of these or almost every time I do one of these videos, I become aware of a charity, you know, a nation, nationwide charity that I was not aware of and sleep in heavenly peace, peace is one of those. So um, I think that's a great, uh, great opportunity. And oh, it was. when we first started with them, there was a waiting list of like 500 kids who needed beds, which is one of the saddest wow. things I've ever heard in just our regional area. So, right. It seems like such a, like something that most of us who grew up in the United States, we just take that for granted because oh, yeah. we didn't, Absolutely. never had to deal with that. As far as I know, I didn't have friends growing up that didn't have a bed to sleep in. So um, what a wonderful charity. And it's good to know that um, you can do so much good with such a, you know, simple donation. I mean, we love to sew anyway. So, you know, I, I make pillowcases every year, no matter what anyway. So what a great, <laughs> great opportunity. Um, and you, you mentioned about leaving those like on the back porch. Um, is that that's something you started with uh, the pandemic is um, having people pick things up uh, from the back porch and drop things back off there. Yeah, absolutely. We put bins of fabric outside. Um, it's a good covered porch and it was in the spring and summer and we had people making masks like crazy. So we would put just fabric out in bins. People came and picked up whatever they could use. We had a local hospital who desperately needed masks and gowns and head covers. And so we did different sizes of um, different amounts of fabric that they could come and pick up for whatever they were going to do. And that became a huge thing. We would get deliveries of all these masks <clears throat> and um, robes and foot covers and head covers. And we would have, we would just call the woman who's also a quilter who was in charge of the collections from the local hospital and she would come and pick it up. And that was people just gave so much of their time that it was really nice to be able to just give them fabric to play with because they did an amazing job. And then she also asked just for fabric because she had set up a quilting group or a sewing group in her garage and took over her husband's garage. And we just put bolts of fabric out for her. She would come in a minivan and we would fill it up. Wow. That's awesome. And what a great connection to make to, you know, help another group who's doing the community, oh, absolutely. just like you were doing with your customers and making the masks. So right. to make that connection with her and um, support the hospital like that. And yep. yeah, we all had so much extra time on our hands um, in 2020. And some of us are still in that same boat yeah. <laughs> here yep. in 2021. So um, that's wonderful to be able to give people something to work on and keep going. So um, did you have to change a lot of your business practices due to the pandemic? We did. We, um, Ohio mandated that we closed for, I think, two months at the start of the pandemic in uh, spring of 2020. So we complied with that. At the time, my sister and I both worked in the shop. Her daughter and my daughter both worked here. My daughter started here in 2012 when she was like 12 or 14 years old and uh she ended up she's going to the university she ended up getting a job and more related to her field in the medical field so she doesn't come back at all my niece comes in and she's a little uh, fearful of running into people who could be covid positive so she comes in on days i'm not open and does any online orders and straightens up fabric and cuts kits whenever 
anything comes in. So that's been very helpful. My sister still is involved, but not nearly as much as she was before. So it's kind of, we adjusted hours because I also have to work in a different company. I'm only open three days a week and we didn't have any classes during that time. We kind of shut down. So within the last probably four months, I've gone to bringing in limited classes. Um, we had modeled our garage into a classroom um, when we needed space and that became very popular. So we've been doing a quilting with rulers class every month for the last two years. And it was hard to not do it um, during the pandemic, but we've brought that back. Our basic quilting class has come back. We've got people interested in that and we limit the class to four people and we keep them separated and it works out really well. That's great. That's great. I'm glad to hear that you've been able to bring the classes back because I know there's some shops that are still struggling to do that. So um, that's wonderful. I'm sure your customers appreciate it for sure, especially those that were used to the regular um, ruler quilting class. Um, they're probably glad exactly. to see it come back. So <laughs> good um, yeah, um, well, I'm glad to hear that you've been able to make it work well for you. And uh, as quilters, we know how generous and ready to help the community community of makers is how ready to help they are. Um, it's heartwarming to see so many people use their talents and their skills to have, help people that they've never met before. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Claire, I want to thank you again for chatting with me today. Um, all of us here at American Patchwork and Quilting wish you and your employees great success in the coming year. If you'd like to visit Village Quilts online, their website is villagequiltscanfield.com. They're located in Canfield, Ohio, and you can find them on Facebook. Thanks, Doris. I appreciate your time, and it was nice meeting you. You bet. Thank you. Hey, it's Lindsay. Thanks so much to Doris and Claire. We'll link to the Village Quilts in our show notes so you can learn more about them and shop online with them if you're interested. We love supporting shops that are doing amazing things for their communities. And that's it for today's show. Everyone have a happy start to 2022, and I'll chat with you all next week.